0: Welcome all of you across the network to week four of Relatable. Whether you're tuning in online, joining us from our Bettendorf campus, the men at Kewanee Center campus or here at Rock Island, I am thrilled you're here, and I'm excited to see how God's going to work and move as we wrap up our Relatable conversation. It's been a pretty good journey so far. God's been working and moving in lots of different ways, as we've simply been asking ourselves the question, what does it look like to experience the blessing of God in our relationships? To have our relationships marked by the blessing and favor of God. It's been a really great conversation. If you want to catch up on the rest of those, you can find them online at heritageqc.com. But I actually want to get really practical right up front as we move to land the conversation this weekend. And I want to do so with a bit of a self-assessment, a self-assessment of our relatable status, if you would. Now, don't get excited. This is not a quiz. It's not going to be graded. You don't have to share it with anybody but I do want to ask you five questions and get you to think through your response to them. In fact, in your note guide, you're going to see five blank spaces in the top left-hand corner of the first page. I encourage you to use that to answer these five questions. And each question, I'm going to invite you to answer with a frame of reference in time, either answering by days, weeks, months, or years. Just five questions. Now, again, not going to share with anybody. It's just for you and I to get into the right headspace as we begin to have the conversation. So you can use the note guide. You can use a piece of paper, or you can just do it in your head if you're that good. So, here we go. We're going to ask five questions and just take the time to think through it. Here's the first question. When was the last time you lovingly confronted the behavior of a friend? When was the last time you lovingly confronted the behavior of a friend? Has it been days, weeks, months, years? If you don't know the answer, just put question marks. Can't remember the last time? Just put some question marks in that space. When was the last time you lovingly confronted... The behavior of a friend. They had a truth in love conversation. Second question. When was the last time you sat with someone struggling or wrestling with a personal issue? Days, weeks, months, years. When was the last time you sat with somebody who was wrestling with a personal issue? An addiction, a sin, a a relationship dynamic. When was the last time you sat and listened and encouraged and, and comforted? Days, weeks, months, years. Third question. When was the last time you shared coffee or a meal with someone who held different beliefs than you? How long has it been, days, weeks, months, years, since you sat and had coffee or a meal with someone who didn't share your same beliefs and had a listening exchange and learning exchange? Fourth question. When was the last time you intentionally forgave someone of a significant offense? How long has it been since you've had a reconciling conversation where you intentionally forgave a significant offense in your life? And fifth and final question. When was the last time you showed kindness in the face of disagreement? Kindness in the face of disagreement. Days, weeks, months, years. Okay, now that you had a chance to write those things down, I want you to find somebody in the room you don't know and share all that information with them. No, I'm just kidding. You not have to share with anybody, it's not graded, but it does start to get us in the right headspace, because these questions and our answers to them begin to frame the status of a space in our life that we call the embrace space. Embrace. And it's something we unpacked a bit last week, and I want to go back to it for a moment and review. Review for those of you who are here in that conversation, and it'll catch up those of you that maybe missed it. But as we were talking about the beatitude of being a peacemaker, we were talking about how we do that and we began to understand this concept. It first starts with understanding who we are, our identity. Our identity and that that we we are image bearers, we're made in the image of God. God made us in His image, both male and female, He created us. So we are image bearers, each and every one of us, but we are also all loved. And we know that we're loved by lots of different things, but just the fact that God sent Jesus is the most clear expression of, his, of the love that he has for us. So we are image bearers and we are loved, but we have all sinned. And this is the reality that we all sit in, image bearers who are loved but having sinned. And in that dynamic, we can start to wrestle a little bit with our identity. A value fog starts to form around who we are. We go, man, what is my value? What is God going to do with me as an image bearer who is loved but who has sinned? And we find ourselves thinking that God has only one of two options. He's either going to condone us for what we've done or he's going to condemn us for what we've done. He's either going to accept us or reject us based on what we've done. And in some sense feel like that he's for us if he condones and he's against us if he condemns. We find ourselves trapped in a tension that we just can't reconcile on that space. But the reality is God is not limited to those two options. In fact, it is through Jesus that he actually creates a space in the middle that we call the embrace space. Because we have sin, because we are loved and image bearers, Jesus came, he lived and died and rose again so that there is an option in the middle that is both inviting and confronting. It's welcoming and challenging. It's the embrace space. And when you and I step into that embrace space, we begin to walk a path where we belong in proximity to God, we believe in the name of Jesus, and we become all that we're supposed to be by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. This is the process that God invites us to walk in the embrace space. It's really easy to drift to the left and to the right in how we think about ourselves. We think we're not worthy enough to engage in relationship with God or we think that we're so independent and can do what we want, we can drift to the other side where we're self-indulgent over here and we're very legalistic over here. But God invites us through Jesus to walk that middle path of embrace for ourselves but then to help other people walk it. But whenever we drift left or right, we complicate things. And, and, and God's blessing and favor is not in the left or the right. God's blessing is found in the middle. That messy middle of embrace space. See, the idea of the embrace space is actually very countercultural. It's something that the world looks at and is confused by, doesn't even want to, uh, to consider. But I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that this is how Jesus interacts with us and how he invites us to act, interact with other people. And when we do, we encounter and experience the blessing of God in that space. Both in our lives and the lives of those around us as we lean into that dynamic. If we don't get caught up in the left and right dynamic. Condoning, condemning. A number of years ago, at the first church that I was leading, I met a man one weekend on a Sunday. His name was Howie. And Howie came to the church simply because his girlfriend, Stacy, wanted him to. Stacy had been coming for a while. He was resistant, but he finally came. And the, and the Sunday he came, he introduced himself I met him. And he told me, he said, he said Shot, I don't believe in what you believe and I never will. See, how he was Jewish. He wasn't walking with God, but he, he just had an anchoring in the tradition that he was raised. And, and he was not in, interested in anything that we were engaging in in conversation. Now, I just, just told Howie I was glad he was there. Glad to have him there. Welcome to him. If you had any questions, he could let me know. And, and the beauty of that was it was the beginning of an embrace space. An embrace space where, where Howie could just belong. And it, it wasn't necessarily even an easy space because Howie had some life, lifestyle choices that he had made. He, he had some churn and angst against God for just things that he experienced in life, some, some doubt and disbelief. And he was only in this space with us simply because he loved Stacy and, and he was there just to humor her. But it was the beauty of that embrace space that began to create the belonging space to experience the love of God. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy because of Howie's choices, but it also wasn't easy because of some of the choices of those in the church dynamic, Christians, who wanted to to condemn him or just condone him and not sit in the messy middle. They wanted to reject what he was doing or or not doing and then just condone it over here as if it's okay, it's no big deal. But when we held to the embrace space, God began to bless it. And and how he began to experience the love of God out of the connection he found in that space. See, embracing is not about comfort. It's about connection. First feeling if you're tracking with your note guide today. The, The embrace space is not about comfort but connection. In fact, it's often uncomfortable. There's a lot of discomfort in the embrace space because it is the messy middle. But it's about connection. It's about connection to God and to others. We as a church, our mission statement is that that we we exist to connect people to God, to each other, and to their purpose. That's why we exist. And the embrace space is is an expression of those three realities, connecting ourselves to God and others to, to God, as well as connecting with each other as we live out our purpose. The embrace space is, is a space where we actually step into relationship with people and we speak the truth in love. It's a space that we invite people from, to more. We, we call people to more. But it is a messy middle space and it is uncomfortable because of the tension that it cre- that's creates as people make decisions in that space. But it's where God works and it's where he pours out his blessing. We've been having a conversation in the Relatable Journey around some things called the Beatitudes. And, and they come from a section of teaching that Jesus gave that's captured in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. It's an extended sermon, but at the very beginning of the sermon, he identifies behaviors that lead to the blessing of God. And we've been walking through some of those things, identifying them, and they're fairly straightforward, but they help us understand how we live in that messy middle in the embraced space when we live out these beatitudes. And beatitude simply means supreme blessedness. But so far in the journey, if we just look back over what those beatitudes are, we can see, and these are what, this is what Jesus declared. He said uh, that, that, that the poor in spirit are blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. He, he went on to say that blessed are those who mourn. He said blessed are those who are meek. That, that is, that's strength under control. That's humility. He said blessed are those who are hungry for righteousness. Not just a Big Mac. <laughs> hungry for righteousness. He said, blessed are are those who who are pure in heart, for they will see God. Pure in heart, they will see God. He said, blessed are the the merciful, those who show mercy. And, And last week we saw, he said, blessed are the peacemakers. And what Jesus is saying, he's saying, look, this is where the blessing of God is found. This is where the favor of God is poured out. As we are these things and do these things, we experience the blessing of God. So if Jesus said, this is where those are, and these things really don't reflect what we often call blessed. <laughs> when you see hashtags in social media, it's often more happy, it's, it's more fun, it's, it's more like positive things, but these things are actually a little more layered and complicated. So, so how are you doing in these arenas? Jesus said, this is where we experience the blessing of God. And some of them may come more easy than others. Maybe your personality is more inclined to do one of these more than another. Or maybe circumstances allow some to be easier than others. But I'll tell you something. None of these are ever more difficult than when you're trying to live this way in proximity to people who seek to wrong you, harm you, or even hate you. But yet we're called to do that. We're called to be and do these things even in those spaces. And you say, well, wait a second, that doesn't really say this here. Jesus isn't identifying that reality yet. But hang on, he's about to go to a whole nother level in the list of Beatitudes. We're we're leveling up. As he starts to lean into the idea of persecution and God's blessing. Well, let's take a look at this. We're in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be picking up at verse 11. And you can look in your own Bible, you can read in the guide, or you can follow up here on the screen. But let's just take a look at what Jesus now adds into the list of the spaces and places and behaviors that lead to the blessing of God. Here's what he says. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, if you're, if you're tracking the journey of the Beatitudes, there, there's a moment where these Beatitudes take a bit of a turn right here. They, they take a turn towards this idea of insult, persecution, and, and maligning. That, that's the stuff of joy and happiness now, isn't it? No, it's, it's really not. But, but Jesus said, blessed, blessing in persecution— Now, persecution in its literal definition, the tangible word, is is the idea to drive away, to make to flee, to make to run, but also to, in any way, in whatever way, to harm, to mistreat, to hurt. That's persecution. And Jesus says there is blessing in persecution, and he includes insult and maligning as part of that context. And if we look back even further into verse 10, we see that there's persecution for righteousness' sake, but as we just read in verse 11, there's persecution for his sake. Now, they're slightly different, but they're both uncomfortable. And embracing is not about comfort, it's it's about connection. And we may be sad about persecution, may be mad about it, may, may even just be frustrated with it. But Jesus says that we're to rejoice and be glad to be blessed. Literally, that those who are persecuted can, can leap for joy. <laughs> Yay! Persecution, woo! <Woo-hoo! laughs> it feels odd. But when we live in the embrace space, it begins to make sense. He says we can leap for joy. Why is that? It's because of the reward, not the experience. And the fact that we're in good company. See, embrace is not about comfort, it's about connection. And most of the time, when we experience problems and pain related to persecution, we can reconcile those out of two concepts that one, it's just part of what it means to follow Jesus, and the second is that there's reward. Most of us, we just limit our thinking to that. that. That Jesus said there will be trouble, all right, fine. So we're going to experience some trouble, great. And then, but there's reward for it. So it's not meaningless, it's not pointless pain. There's something yet to come. And and that's okay because both of those things are true. But if that's all we see when we look at persecution and we experience it in a world that wants us condoning or condemning and we're trying to be in a space of embracing, if all we do is see it as the cost of doing business with Jesus and the reward that is ahead, well, then we find ourselves just thinking, all I have to do is pull myself up by the bootstraps and just endure. I just got to put my head down and just get through this thing. And to some degree, I get that. But there's a danger in looking at persecution only as the cost of doing business with some reward yet to come as the only thing after it. Because the moment we do that, the moment we put our head down, the moment we kind of bury ourselves in and just hunker down in the midst of the difficulty, we lose the ability to see the other person. We lose the ability to see the other in the equation, those around us, even those who may be persecuting us. We start to lose sight of the fact that they too are image bearers, loved by God, yet have sinned. Even if they're sinning against us. They still are those things. And we begin to detach from it. But, but Jesus said, look, if you are these things and you do these things, you'll experience blessing. But he adds to it this idea of persecution. That we're persecuted. That when we're persecuted, we can experience blessing. This is, this is complicated, because what he says is we're to be and do these things with all people, even our enemies, even our enemies. And there's nothing more difficult than doing and being these things that people are seeking to shame you, harm you, betray you, seek, seek your failure, seek your harm, watch you experience loss and enjoy it. There's nothing more difficult than that. But he says we're to do that with all people, even our enemies, You'd be thinking, hold on, Sean, I'm reading this scripture. It just says that we're blessed if we experience persecution because there is reward, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't say anything about enemies. He doesn't say anything about enemies in verses 11 or 12, but 21 verses later he does. Take a look with me. We're going to jump all the way to verse 43 in chapter 5. Here's what Jesus said. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who what? persecute you. Underline that, highlight that, circle it, color it in, draw flowers around it. Pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Pray for them. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? and if you greet only your own people what are you doing more than others do not even pagans do that see Jesus is challenging condone condemn and inviting to embrace sitting in spaces with people who don't share your same beliefs sitting in spaces with people who who may struggle along the way sitting in spaces of people who may actually not be seeking your well-being Now, there's boundaries and limits to some of that we're not going to step into places of abuse or or criminal behavior, but there are places of discomfort that we're supposed to sit in so that we can experience something different. It's the messy middle. The embrace is the messy middle, and it's messy because people make choices, and those choices have ripple, and they can complicate things, but we're supposed to sit in that space because Jesus said he's gonna work in that space, and there is blessing and favor to come out of it when we sit in a posture of loving not just our neighbor, but loving our enemies. Now I don't know about you but for me when I come across things in scripture I don't just want to understand the what I want to understand the why it really helps me to get the why behind the what and in this case when we're talking about the idea of an embrace space I see embrace as balance I see embrace as a place of truth and love it's it's invitation and confrontation it's welcome and challenge it's it's this really cool space to actually see people become more but I have got to tell you I have experienced anger and, and malice, and ridicule, and hate, and accusation for seeking to live in this space, for seeking to create the space for others, from, from not only the world, but from those who, who, are, who call themselves Christians, even well-meaning Christians, because there's a tension of choosing embrace over condone, condemn. Condone, condemn seems really easy. It, it seems to be less complicated, but there's a space where when we sit and embrace, we can experience persecution, why? I mean, if embraces the space of blessing and it's a place where we actually love people, why is there persecution in it? Now, if you're not asking this question, bear with me for a second. But if you are, listen to me. Listen, there's lots of reasons why persecution pops up in life and certainly pops up around living the way Jesus called us to live and living out the Beatitudes. But there are two specific things that I think help us understand the complexity we live in and allow us to stay in the middle when people want us to drift left or right. The the first reality is that the the embraced space seems non-committal to those who don't live in it. It seems non-committal, but it's actually committed to something just very different. People on the surface think that the embraced space is kind of wishy-washy, it's weak, it's neutral, it's like we're trying to be Switzerland and we just won't decide something. Listen, it's not. The embrace space is far more complicated, it's far more messy, it's harder to live in, it's challenging, it's a lot easier to move left and right to the condone or condemn because it's just more clear, it's less complicated, it even feels less risky. And what people do in life complicate things, they add pain, they add hardship and, and loss and it's very tempting to drift left or right because we feel like we can limit those imp- the impact of those things. But the reality is we only love in the middle. embraces the space that, that it may seem non-committal, but it's actually just committed to something very different. Not our comfort, and not just clarity, but to a process of becoming. It's a very different posture, and it's a posture that Jesus repeatedly sought to live in, and always sought to position people into the embrace space. And it is not for the faint of heart. So I think one of the challenges around living in embrace is that sense of, hey, it's just non-committal, why don't you just make a decision? It's just committed to something different. The second reality is, when you choose something different than the left or the right, it feels indicting of the left and the right the condone, condemn places. And in reality, to sit in the middle means that you can be indicted by those in condone or condemn without the stability of being in either side. If you pick one, yeah, you're going to get people who can challenge you from the other side, but at least you have the stability and, and connectedness to the people who are choosing this space. The messy middle is getting hit by both sides, and that can create complexity in our heart and mind. In fact, in our world, I see a growing perspective that if if people aren't with us, if you don't agree with people, they think you're in opposition to them. Jesus encountered this a lot with religious leaders. They just wanted him to, hey, tell me where you sit, left or right in this discussion or this issue, and if you're not with us, then you're clearly against us, and there's a growing perspective in our world that disagreement inherently equals opposition, But I want to tell you, here's the reality. Disagreement does not inherently equal opposition. It can be oppositional, but it doesn't inherently equal that. And in our world today, we're losing the ability to sit in spaces where we just disagree, but still love. We're losing the ability to sit in that middle space and have civility when we don't have the same agreement in conversation. We have this developing sense that disagreement equals opposition, and it's destroying families. It's destroying neighborhoods and and businesses and companies, and it's destroying the church as it destroys unity. It's simply not true. We can disagree on something and still preserve unity. It doesn't inherently mean opposition. And the embrace space, it's beautiful, but it's unpopular because it flies in contrast to the way the world looks and thinks. Even all the Beatitudes fly in opposition to the way the world thinks and moves. And the embrace space, though, is where God calls us. The world wants us to say, are you for me or are you against me? But when we sit and we answer that question differently, it's uncomfortable for the world, but it invites a journey of becoming and and preserves the value of people in the complexity and the choices that people make. It's a space where God works and moves for his glory. It's one where we forfeit our comfort and we forfeit our priorities and we forfeit our preferences and we say we choose to love people out of a love for God. And in that space of embrace, belonging, believing and becoming is seen as God pours out his blessing. I shared um, earlier with you about my friend, Howie. And um, Howie, uh, as we have created an embrace space for him, It allowed him to belong. And in that space, a few things started to happen. See, how he began first to just engage with different church activities, started to connect in relationship with people. And then he began to ask different questions. And over time, he began to come to me, and we would talk about different things in theology and scripture. And 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 then he began to ask me to pray for him and pray for his family and pray for health and other places. And, And then we started to pray for him in his own journey. And in that process, he began to experience the love of God and began to love God in return. I still remember the day I looked over and actually saw him singing in worship. <laughs> this is the Jewish man who said he would never believe these things. And I remember the day he came up to me and told me that he had chosen to believe, that he received Jesus as his savior and Lord. And there was this beautiful, almost fullness of completion coming back around as a Jewish man recognizing Messiah. And That wasn't the end of it though. We still had conversation around some of his lifestyle choices and still had to work through some of the dynamics in the choices he'd already made along the journey. But I began to see the Beatitudes start to show up in his life. And, And then he married Stacy. and that following summer I had the privilege of baptizing Howie in a nearby lake. One of the coolest moments of my ministry experience. To see that process of embrace lead to belonging and believing to becoming. And he's still on a journey, he's not done. In fact, not long ago, he was on a business trip, came through the Quad Cities and he, and he hollered at me and we grabbed lunch for a bit and just talked about the journey he's been on and, and he's still chasing Jesus, he's still becoming, there's been ups and downs in that thing, but he still is walking and chasing and pursuing Jesus out of embrace space and he's creating that embrace space for others. And the beauty of that thing, it comes out of the love of God, the authority of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit that allows embrace to lead to transformation. When we're willing to sit in the messy middle. See, that, that embrace space is a space of mercy and grace. I said this last week, but I want to make it very clear, and we can put it up on the screen for you. That that mercy, mercy is God withholding what we deserve. And grace is Him giving us what we don't. That's exactly what the embrace space is. It's neither condone nor condemn. It's a space of pardon. It's a space to become more. And it's a space where we love, truly love. So what? What do we do with this conversation as we land the Relatable series? Well, theologian and author Oswald Chambers has a really great quote that I have in a reoccurring uh, reminder in my computer. Here's what it says. Faith never knows where it's being led, but it loves and knows the one who is leading. I love the imagery of that. I love the truth in it. But it's incredibly applicable if we're seeking to live in an embrace space because we never know how it's going to work out to sit in the messy middle we never really know how it's going to go because people make decisions they add complexity to existing complexity it can get more messy in that space but when we're willing to to walk with god whether we're walking that embrace journey of 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 that belonging believing becoming for ourselves or whether walking somebody else through it we we may not know how it's going to turn out, but we can know the one who's leading us through it, and that makes all the difference. Because we sit in that messy middle in a posture of love, loving God because He's loved us first. And we can love other people because He's loved us first. Jesus is the one who actually set love as the highest value. He set it as the highest value. And and, and love cannot thrive left and right. Love thrives in the middle in that complicated messiness and Jesus when he laid out the Beatitudes he kind of turned the rules of the day on their head and he ends up giving another new rule a little bit later it's found in John chapter 13 here's what he said so now I'm giving you a new commandment love each other just as I have loved you you should love each other for love Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Love one another. Jesus set the highest value of love. Love doesn't thrive left and right. It thrives in the middle. And Jesus said, look, if you love, if you love as I love, man, that's how they'll know that you are my disciples. It's the mark of our identity. And when we embrace people, embracing others... That leads to an understanding about our identity in Jesus, that embracing others demonstrates that identity in Christ. When we choose to sit in that messy middle, it reveals and proves and confirms our identity in Christ, when we love as He loves. Now, there's a lot of very practical kind of to-do things when it comes to understanding the embraced space, understanding and living in it. But ultimately, living in the embraced space comes out of identity. It goes all the way back to our being. We cannot do it in our own power. We cannot do it in our own strength. But in our identity in Christ, we can not only walk that path ourselves, but we can help others walk that path as well. It comes out of identity. Embracing is not rooted in our choices, but our identity. it's, It's not rooted in our conduct. It's rooted in who we are. And who we are are image bearers, loved by God, having sinned, but when we walk with Jesus, there is opportunity for us to experience newness, a process of becoming. And Jesus is always looking for spaces to invite people into embrace so that they can belong, believe, and become. Here's how I want to actually land our conversation. We started with a self-assessment. I want to end with a self-assessment. I wanna ask five questions again, similar but different. The first time I asked you the questions, the answers were time-related, days, weeks, months, years. This time as we go through the questions, I actually want the answers to be people-specific, people-related, because the Embrace space is about loving people in that space. So you can use your note guide again, that same paper, or you can go through your head if you want to and process these questions, but the invitation is to move this conversation from an understanding to an application. So here we go. Just sit back and just process this, these questions more fully. What friend do you need to lovingly confront about their behavior? What friend in your life do you need to lovingly confront truth and love, their behavior? Write their name down. Put it down. Again, if you don't have an answer to these questions, put a question mark and, and begin to pray and ask God for who that might be. But the first one is, who, what friend do you need to lovingly confront about their behavior? Second Who do you need to sit down with that is struggling with a personal issue? Who do you know in your family? Who do you know in your workplace, in your neighborhood that's struggling and wrestling with something in their life and they just need somebody to sit with them, to listen, to encourage them, and help them process? Write their name down. They're in your life for a reason. How can you create an embrace space for them by sitting down? Third question. Who can you invite to coffee or a meal that holds different beliefs than you? Who would be somebody that you know that that doesn't believe the things you believe, but you can actually sit down and relate to and interact with and just lovingly exchange story of life with. Write their name down. Fourth question. Who do you need to intentionally forgive? Who do you need to intentionally forgive? Who, who do you need to have a reconciling conversation with and to say, I forgive you? Who do you need to forgive? And fifth Where do you need to show kindness even in the face of disagreement? Where do you need to show the beatitudes of mercy and peacemaking even in the face of disagreement? Write their name down. You know, whenever we make our opinions more important than the people God created, we stop loving. And these questions are embrace space questions. And they're, they're, they position us to actually love people from a posture of the Beatitudes, to live out the Beatitudes specifically. And again, if you don't know who the people might be, I want to encourage you to take the time to pray. Talk to God. Ask Him, Lord, who, who is it that you want me to create space for? Now understand something about this. This is not about one more task to do in your life. This is about a posture of living out of the love that we have for God with a love for people. And he's already placing people in your world to create and embrace space for. If you'll just step into that moment and allow them to belong, ultimately to journey to belief, to become all that God created them to be. You have the power to influence them if you create that embrace space. We all have those spaces. I can tell you, I can, I can identify people to all five of those questions. Just this past week, I sat with a friend and challenged them in their behavior, lovingly confronted it, and invited them to more. It's, it's uncomfortable to do that, but beautiful as God works and moves in it and brings his blessing in it. I also had to sit down with a, in a conversation and reconcile some brokenness our relationship and own my part and they own their part. It, it's part of the journey. And I can look ahead and I have people that I can identify in all five categories moving forward. People I need, I need to try to sit down and reconcile in reconciling conversations. People I need to sit with and just listen and encourage as they're struggling through a relationship issue or marriage or health issue, whatever it may be. Creating the embrace space matters. And if we say, look, I follow Jesus, then here's the deal. Show up in the embrace space. Show up and keep showing up. Let God work and move until something new happens. My journey with Howie was not not days and weeks or months. It was years. Years. But it was a willingness to let the embrace space be what it's supposed to be. That God was able to work and move and draw Howie to himself. I love that he did that. And I know he wants to do it through you and other people's lives as well. So show up and keep showing up in those embrace spaces. Jesus said that God's blessing and favor are available in how we relate to him and others. Blessed are those. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, who mourn, who, who are meek, who are hungry for righteousness, pure, who are merciful, who are peacemakers, and persecuted the blessing of God comes in these spaces and it represents the person of Jesus as we live these out and we do it in the power of the Holy Spirit in the authority of Jesus and by the love of God and if you're someone who walks with Jesus this is the invitation to live a relatable life and experience his blessing if you don't know Jesus you can make a decision to do that today and begin to experience the fullness of what his blessing looks like in life as you walk belonging, believing, and becoming. It's a journey. This reflects Jesus. The embrace space reflects Jesus. In fact, we're going to wrap up our time in an expression of communion. Uh, Communion is something that comes from instructions Jesus gave us. On on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the cup and he took the bread and, and and he offered them or provided them as examples of his broken body and his shed blood. He broke the bread as his broken body, and he identified the cup as a symbol of holding his shed blood. These two things are are what he calls us to use to remember his sacrifice. His life, his death, his resurrection. And all across our network, periodically, we engage in remembering and celebrating, reflecting on what Jesus did. And in a few moments, ushers across our network are going to come at each of our locations. They're going to pass trays in front of you. And if you're a follower of Jesus, He's your Lord and Savior, I invite you to reach in and take the, a double-stack cup. Make sure you get both cups because one holds the, the representation of the bread and the other is the cup represents His blood. Get both of those and then hold on to them. If you don't know Jesus, you can let it pass because this is an opportunity for us to profess our belief and in faith in Him, having belonged to believe and are in a process of becoming. But if you're ready to actually step into that. You can pray the prayer in the back of your note guide, and you can take part in this communion moment. But once those plates come by, hold hold those elements. If you need gluten-free, it's in the back of your worship expression. But as you hold them, I want to invite you to use this as an opportunity to reflect on the realities of embrace space in your life, on the realities of the Beatitudes in your life. See, one of the things I realized that when Jesus hung on the cross, he was creating embrace space. When he allowed himself to be killed, he was creating embrace space. When he emptied the tomb and became a risen Lord, he was creating embrace space. Neither condoning or condemning. He could have condemned us. But he chose the path of love. And by his sacrifice, his life, his death, his resurrection, he created embrace space. And these elements we take today remind us of that. So as you process and pray through who you're to be connecting to and making Embrace Space for, as you reflect on what Jesus did, may this be an opportunity where you say thank you for the Embrace Space he made for you, or an opportunity to walk that space for the first time today, or more intentionally to help somebody else walk that from this day forward. But take those elements, hold them. You can remain seated across the network as we sing, and then your campus leader at your campus will let you know and invite you to take the elements, and we'll take them all together after we step into this next series, a moment of reflection. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you chose, you chose to create a path of embrace for us to, to belong, to believe, and to become. Lord, as we take these elements, we, we remember the sacrifice of Jesus, and, and we acknowledge that he created embrace space for us neither condoning or condemning, creating embrace space by his sacrifice, his shed blood, his broken body. So Lord, we, we take these elements today as a reminder, as a reflection, as a celebration, and, and as simple acknowledgement of what you did for us because of your great love. So Lord, may we live in that love. May we love as you love. May we embrace as you have embraced. And in these next few moments, may you speak and lead us as we reflect and talk with you on our own.